Are you struggling to lower your bad LDL cholesterol, even though you may be taking a statin, swapping steaks for salads, and exercising while listening to this podcast? Ask your doctor if Repatha Evolocumab is right for you. With Repatha, you can dramatically reduce bad cholesterol and the risk of another heart attack while enjoying life too, because you're human. And with convenient self-administration, you can take Repatha in the comfort of your own home. Do not take Repatha if you're allergic to it. Repatha can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing, or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. Visit Repatha.com or call 1-844-REPATHA. Talk to your doctor today about Repatha. A good Wednesday morning. New details emerging from that Nashville school shooting. Including the hero cops who saved lives. It is March 29th. This is today. Rapid response. Metro Police! Newly released body cam video showing officers rushing in and taking down the shooter in a matter of minutes. This morning, the courage and bravery displayed by police and school staff as the investigation focuses on what led to the rampage. Here it comes, nearly 50 million people set to face an outbreak of severe weather, a massive system ready to sweep across the country, bringing even more rain out west and dangerous storms to the south, still recovering from those devastating tornadoes. Al's got everything we need to know. New twist, the murder conviction of Adnan Syed, the subject of the popular serial podcast, suddenly reinstated, a new hearing ordered. His reaction and where the closely watched case goes from here. Fighting back, Gwyneth Paltrow's legal team using a controversial animation of that now infamous ski crash to dispute her accuser's story. I'm sorry to say Mr. Ramon's version does not meet with the, the laws of physics. Just ahead, the potential impact on jurors and when a decision could be in their hands. Those stories plus speaking out, the judge at the center of the Alec Murdoch trial breaking his silence. Once a defendant t takes a stand and testifies, then almost everything is fair game at that point. What he's saying about his pivotal decisions from the bench and his final message to the convicted killer. And guardian angel, the incredible moment a man helped guide a young woman through an emergency landing after losing a front tire. Taylor, this is Chris. Um, my daughter's name is Taylor, and I taught her to fly. We're gonna be just fine, kiddo. Thank you very much. Encouraging her every step of the way until she was finally on the ground. You're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Talk to me, kid. That a girl. I'm proud of you. Their remarkable story as they meet face to face for the first time. Today, Wednesday, March 29th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuppy. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Well, good to see you. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's a Wednesday morning. Savannah is enjoying some time off. 
Can you imagine if you're you're a young pilot right. and your tire blows out and you're up in the air and you need someone to help you? And thank goodness there was yeah. that veteran pilot oh, who who saw what was yeah. wrong yeah. and helped her land that plane. So we actually brought them together to hear all about that harrowing story. And believe he talked her through it. Uh, we can't wait to share that story. But we do want to start in Nashville this morning, and that newly released police body cam video from the school shooting there. It is six intense minutes of footage showing officers rushing into Covenant School school toward the sound of the gunfire before taking down that shooter. In a moment, we are going to talk to a former police chief about those officers' actions. But first, Katie Beck, she's in Nashville, where we're learning more about the investigation and the victims and that attack. Hey, Katie, good morning. Good morning, guys. Outside the Covenant School, a growing memorial for those six victims this morning. And investigators sharing new details about the shooter, who they say owned even more guns than the three that were brought to school here on Monday. We're also getting a better look at that quick police response, taking down the shooter just 11 minutes from that first phone call. We want to warn you, some of the video you're about to see could be difficult to watch. Within seconds of arriving at Nashville's Covenant Church School, newly released body cam footage shows officers quickly gearing up to rush in. Kids are all locked down, but we have two kids that we don't know where they are. Okay. Weapons drawn, they enter the school turned crime scene. Metro Police! Surveillance video shows 28-year-old Audrey Hale shooting through a locked glass door at the school with an AR-style rifle prior to police arriving. Police clearing classrooms before following the sound of gunfire to an upstairs lobby where Hale was firing down at police from a second story window. Police confront Hale, exchanging fire and taking down the shooter. Move, move! Law enforcement analyst Jim Cavanaugh says the body cam video shows Nashville police followed their training and saved lives. You have a rifle, your job is to locate, isolate, eliminate. So you have to move quickly. And that's what they did. Nashville Police Chief John Drake saying the shooter's parents report that Hale was suffering from an emotional disorder and was under a doctor's care. Drake adding the parents also believe their child had sold the one gun Hale owned, when in fact Hale had legally purchased seven firearms from five different stores and was hiding them within the house. This morning, we're also learning more about the victims. Nine-year-old Evelyn Dicas was a child who loved singing and performing. Classmate Hallie Scruggs was the youngest of five and the only daughter of a pastor at Covenant Church. Another nine-year-old, William Kinney, described by a family friend as an unflappable spirit. 61-year-old custodian Mike Hill, known as Big Mike at the school, was described as a sweet soul. Cynthia Peake, also 61, was a substitute teacher and devout Christian. These educators flew in from Atlanta to honor their former colleague Catherine Kuntz, the head of the school, who police say was gunned down after potentially confronting the shooter. She just had that ability of giving people everything she had. Even if prior to the shooting it was known Hale was unstable, Tennessee police would have no right to confiscate guns because there are no red flag laws on the books here in Tennessee, a state that has consistently weakened their gun laws. President Biden weighing in again, saying he's done all he can in terms of executive action. All he can do now is lean on Congress to make a change.
Hoda. All right, Katie Beck for us. Thank you. Let's bring in former Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best, who is now an NBC News analyst. Uh, Chief, thanks for joining us. When I watched the body cam video, it looked picture perfect. It looks like it looked like exactly what it should have been. With your trained eye, tell us what you saw when you looked at that video. Yeah, good morning, Hoda. Yes, I think that we really need to offer a lot of uh, praise to the officers. They really followed the training, as has been stated. They went in, they made their contact teams, they went directly to the target to isolate, locate, and eliminate the threat uh, in the school, and they did an excellent job, uh, by all accounts, of, w- of what we can see from the body cam video. Let's talk about this. So as two officers roll up, there's gunfire going on. There's no backup. There's no SWAT team coming. These are these officers going in on their own. Is that the blueprint for the way it is supposed to be? Should you go in like that or is the way the books tell you to do it? Wait for someone to back you up. No, absolutely not. The way it's supposed to work is how it did work there in Nashville. Uh, the training ever since, ever since Columbine has been that when you get there, there's a tactical team, an immediate response. You line up. I think you can hear the officers say, I need four uh, to make sure there are four people on the team as they made entry into the school. They have the long rifles leading uh, and other officers following as they did their preliminary search until they heard shots fired and went directly to the threat. Well, you listen and there's like they're so calm. There's no cursing. It's like straight in. They're going for it. When I think about what was happening in Uvalde, I think it took an hour or so for the officers to go in. Nineteen kids and two teachers were killed. Do you think that that incident made other departments stand back and uh, take another look at the way they handle things? Well, how could it not? Uh, you know, the training is as what we saw. But, you know, after seeing that, I'm sure that every chief and every officer and every individual that responds, you know, did a little bit of a self-check to make sure that, um, you know, that they were going to do the training that we've always been trained to do when going into situations like that. Let's uh, just lastly, let's talk about the shooter uh, having emotional problems under a doctor's care, able to buy seven guns, brought two automatic rifles and a pistol to the scene. Um, What could have prevented this? We talked briefly about red flag laws, which means you can take away a gun from somebody who's having emotional problems before they can execute some kind of a horrible crime. Well, Hoda, I'm a supporter of red flag laws. You know, I live in Washington state where the red flag laws exist. When someone is in an emotional crisis and family members or others recognize that there's a potential for them to cause harm to themselves or others, it just makes sense to be able to, at least for a period of time, remove the weapons um, from that person for life safety issues. Yeah. All right. Chief, thank you so much. We appreciate your time this thank morning. You. Also this morning, new stories of survival are emerging in the wake of that devastating tornado in Rolling Fork, Mississippi. Folks there still trying to simply get their lives back together, while a lot of people are still coping with power outages. A lot of folks don't have running water. Even more severe weather is on the way. We're going to get to Al's forecast in just a moment. But first, NBC's Maggie Vespa is in Rolling Fork, Mississippi for us once again. Maggie, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning. Yeah, as you said, with block after block still just destroyed here in Rolling Fork, all anyone wants to see are signs of progress. And the cleanup is underway, but after a natural disaster of this size and scope, rebuilding will be measured in months, if not years. This morning, swaths of the Deep South living in a devastating limbo. 
as the long road to recovery gets underway following the weekend's deadly string of tornadoes. The whole town just demolished and gone in a blink, in a blink of an eye. The devastation also stretching into Alabama and Georgia. In hard-hit Rolling Fork, FEMA is on the ground to offer federal support while crews work to restore power and water out since Friday. In this community, craving even the smallest bit of normalcy, mail carriers unable to deliver to decimated homes hand out mail at the post office instead. Seeing the aftermath, not recognizing anything, seeing people having to get out of places, Seeing people hurt, I mean, it's very overwhelming. Pastor Robert Gilliland rode out this storm in his home near the church. He moved here three months ago after another tornado destroyed his trailer in a nearby town. Did you think, not again? Well, actually, I didn't have time to think except to... How do I protect my wife? At least 22 people died in the storms, including two-year-old Aubrey Green. And with plans for funeral services taking shape, officials point survivors toward a network of temporary shelters and hotels. With thousands of homes damaged or destroyed, rebuilding will take time. We're hurting. We know people can't keep us in the hotel rooms forever because they have to go on with their lives. And we just don't know what our next steps are. Hearing those stories, guys, it's hard to believe. But again, another round of severe weather could be headed for this region later this week. People here hoping it's nothing like what we saw last weekend. But either way, just a really scary prospect for those here who are just hoping to get back on their feet as quickly as possible. Yeah. Craig. Scary indeed. Maggie Vest before us there. Maggie, thank you. All right. As Maggie just mentioned, more severe weather on the way. Al, how's it looking? Yeah, again, this is going to be the same kind of setup where things start out west, where we have winter storm watches, winter storm warnings, and flood watches as well. We've got this low pressure system developing, plus a weak atmospheric river bringing in anywhere from two to four inches of rain from central to southern California. Rainfall rates quarter of an inch to a half an inch per hour. Now, this storm system will redevelop east of the rise. Rockies bringing wintry weather tomorrow for the upper Midwest. Storms developing over the plains. Friday is what we're most concerned about. These severe storms are going to be erupting over the mid and lower Mississippi River Valley. Rounds of heavy rain, strong winds. We have 47 million people at risk. The biggest risks are going to be wind gusts of up to 70 miles per hour, severe thunderstorms that are fast moving, moving at highway speeds, and strong tornadoes developing with damaging hail. That's not going to be the big problem, but the biggest problem from Des Moines, Chicago, St. Louis, down to Little Rock, Tupelo, into Nashville, we could be looking at the severe thunderstorms and tornadoes. So we're going to be watching that. Then Saturday, this system continues to the east, bringing heavy wet snow to the western Great Lakes and heavy rain northeast in New England. Travel is going to be really affected. Mm-hmm. So the next 72 hours, guys, are going to be a really big deal as far as the weather's going. Okay. All right. We'll Thanks come back to you in just a bit, Al. Thank you. Now to a hearing on Capitol Hill today that has been closely watched. Howard Schultz, the former CEO of Starbucks, facing tough questions about the coffee giant's response to workers pushing to unionize. NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles joins us with all the details. Ryan, good morning. Hey, Craig, good morning to you. And, you know, more than 230,000 people have jobs at Starbucks, just like this one across the country. And it's those employees that will be the focal point of a hearing right down the road on Capitol Hill. That's where the company's former CEO, Howard Schultz, will be asked tough questions about what Senator Bernie Sanders believes are efforts to stand in the way of unions forming in U.S. stores. Now, Schultz only agreed to appear after facing the prospect of a Senate subpoena. 
Now, Sanders believes that Schultz's actions are against the law, but Schultz is expected to argue that he has no problem with their employees joining unions and prepared remarks that NBC has obtained. Schultz is expected to say, quote, Starbucks respects the right of all partners to make their own decisions about union representation, and Starbucks is committed to engaging in good faith collective bargaining for each store that has a union. He'll go on to say, I embrace these commitments. But Senator Sanders doesn't buy it, and he plans to illustrate the ways the company has stood in the way of organizing efforts. But Schultz is prepared to argue that Starbucks is one of the best places in the country to work and has offered competitive pay and health care benefits to employees long before there was any efforts to unionize. Craig, this is a high profile fight and it could directly impact the more than 100 million Starbucks customers the company serves globally per week. All right. Ryan Nobles for us there in Washington. Ryan, thank you. Also this morning, there are new developments in a case that's captivated the nation. An appeals court in Maryland reinstating the murder conviction of Adnan Syed, the focus of the popular serial podcast. And this comes just months after Syed was freed after spending more than two decades in prison fighting charges that he killed his former girlfriend. NBC's Ann Thompson joins us now with that story. Hey, Ann, good morning. Good morning, Hoda. This time, the ruling is a victory for the victim's family. The court finding they weren't given enough time to attend last year's hearing and ordering what amounts to a do-over of the procedure that freed Adnan Syed. This morning, Adnan Syed's legal journey, made famous by the podcast Serial and an HBO documentary, is not over. In a two-to-one decision, the Appellate Court of Maryland ruled that by giving victim Heyman Lee's brother Young just one day's notice before the hearing was insufficient time to reasonably allow Mr. Lee, who lived in California, to attend the hearing in person. Instead, Lee took part by video conference. Because of that, Syed's murder conviction was reinstated Tuesday. We are delighted that the court did the right thing. Uh, The process was flawed. Last year, Syed walked out of court after spending 23 years behind bars for the strangulation murder of Heyman Lee, his former high school girlfriend in 1999, a crime he has maintained he did not commit. His conviction was vacated when a judge ruled prosecutors failed to turn over evidence and found new evidence that could have impacted Syed's case. If there is another hearing, do you expect that to change the outcome? We don't know because we don't know what the state has as evidence. We want to see the evidence. The appellate court found the short notice violated Lee's rights, saying it is obligated to remedy those violations as long as we can do so without violating Mr. Syed's right to be free from double jeopardy. Syed's attorney pointed out that the reinstatement was not because of errors in the motion to vacate, but because Lee's family was not physically present, telling NBC News in a statement, ensuring justice for Heyman Lee does not require injustice for Adnan. Just last month, Syed talked about his conviction being possibly reinstated. We definitely understand that Hay's family has suffered so much. It's just that we suffer too. Now, this morning, it does not appear that Syed will have to go back to prison. His attorney says they will appeal the reinstatement to Maryland Supreme Court. And Lee's attorney says another round of appeals could take until the end of the year 
or the beginning of next before final decision is reached. So this isn't over by a long stretch. Yeah, not by a long shot. All right. Thank you, Annie. Uh, we just took a look at the severe weather threat. Mm-hmm. Mr. Roker is back now to check the forecast around the rest of the country. That's right, guys. Uh, not a bad day throughout much of the country right now. We've got some snow showers around the Great Lakes, sunny and mild down through the southeast. The mild conti- weather continues down through Texas. Chilly up into the northern plains, but here comes this next big weather maker causing problems right now for the west coast and is going to cause a lot of misery as we get toward the end of the week for the rest of the country. And that's your latest weather. Guys. All right, Al, thank you so much. Still ahead, two trials that have captured the nation's attention, including Gwyneth Paltrow's attorney mounting their defense in that ski crash case in Utah. Kaylee Hartung, she's covering that one for us. Hey, Kaylee. Hey, Hoda. Our reactions to Gwyneth Paltrow's testimony have exploded on social media, but ultimately it may not be Paltrow or Terry Sanderson's testimony in this he said, she said trial that swayed the jury. Coming up, we will tell you about the experts battling it out to make the case. Also had this morning, the judge at the center of the Alec Murdoch trial speaking publicly for the first time about that case, two pivotal decisions that impacted the jury and... The powerful message he delivered to Murdoch at sentencing. But first, this is today on NBC. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We welcome in Tom Yamas. All right, guys, got a lot to get to this half hour. We're going to start with that ski crash trial involving Oscar winner Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, her attorneys are now presenting witnesses, and the case could be in the hands of the jury by the end of the week. NBC's Kaylee Hartung joins us with the very latest on this case. Kaylee, good morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. Gwyneth Paltrow's defense team has immediately gone on the attack. They are trying to punch holes in plaintiff Terry Sanderson's version of what happened on the slopes of Deer Valley in 2016. Science and technology taking center stage Tuesday in court, with Gwyneth Paltrow's defense team using it to challenge previous testimony. There's contact, fall to the right. The actress's lawyers presenting an animated recreation of the crash that they say directly contradicts the plaintiff's key eyewitness, Craig Ramone. We have two versions of the accident. We have Mr. Ramone's version and we have Miss Paltrow's version. And I'm sorry to say Mr. Ramone's version does not meet with the, the laws of physics. Would you say that Ms. Paltrow's is the more likely of the two accounts? Well, considering it's the only one that matches with the physics of what would happen in contact, yes, I think so. The judge explaining to the jury that the animation cannot be considered evidence, but legal experts say the defense may have scored points with it anyway. The reality is 
Juries look at that as evidence. Terry Sanderson is suing Paltrow for at least $300,000, saying she slammed into him on a ski slope. The 76-year-old testified he's suffering from a permanent traumatic brain injury as a result of the 2016 collision. Paltrow is countersuing, saying it was in fact Sanderson who plowed into her. It was like somebody was out of control and going to hit a tree and was going to die. And that's what I had until I was hit. Mr. Sanderson categorically hit me on that ski slope, and that is the truth. And, and I'm sure that that's what you believe. I'm not saying because it. it's the truth. Depositions of Paltrow's now teenage children that she shares with ex Coldplay frontman Chris Martin were also read in court Tuesday. Moses and Apple Martin both testified years after the crash that neither of them saw the actual collision. But immediately after the crash, they say their mom unequivocally spoke about Sanderson running into her. So, Kaylee, I recall at the beginning of this, the, the judge gave this eight-day timeline for the trial. That I think that's coming up soon. Do we know how this is going to wrap up? Yeah, well, Craig, there's been a lot of pressure to ensure all expert witnesses are called before tomorrow's closing arguments as they're scheduled. A lot of these have gone on longer than we expected. And throughout the trial, Paltrow's attorneys have repeatedly asked the judge to clarify the schedule, and they even reversed their plans initially in how they were going to cross-examine Sanderson. The defense now says they may call him back to the stand if they do end up having enough time. Craig. All right. Kaylee Hartung for us. Kaylee, thank you. Also this morning, the judge at the center of the Alec Murdoch trial is opening up about some pivotal decisions he made during that case. NBC News Now anchor Joe Fryer is here with more on that. Hey, Joe. Hey there. Good morning. So Judge Clifton Newman is speaking publicly for the first time since the Murdoch trial wrapped. He was a guest speaker at his alma mater, Cleveland State University. Now, during the legal proceedings, Newman rarely offered a window into his thoughts, but made headlines for his emotional remarks at sentencing. Now he's addressing those comments and giving us more insight into how he navigated one of the most captivating trials in years. Judge Clifton Newman captured the nation's attention while presiding over the murder trial of Alec Murdoch. But to him, I was simply a judge in a trial doing my job. At his alma mater Tuesday, Newman offered new insight into his decisions, including this now famous moment right before sentencing Murdoch to two consecutive life sentences for murdering his wife and son. And I know you have to see Paul and Maggie during the night times when you're attempting to go to sleep. I'm sure they come and visit you. Tuesday, he elaborated on those comments. I don't believe that, that he hated his wife, and certainly I did not believe that he did not love his son. Uh, but he committed an unforgivable, unimaginable crime, and uh, there's no way that he'll be able to sleep peacefully. Newman also says he stands by the pivotal ruling to allow Murdoch's alleged financial crimes into evidence. Once a defendant t takes a stand and testifies, then almost everything is fair game at that point. It's a decision Murdoch's attorneys are now using as grounds to appeal. Judge Newman served as both a defense attorney and prosecutor for years before he was elected as a judge in 2000. But the Murdoch trial gained Newman national recognition and a few social media fans praising his calm, deliberate demeanor. This man, in my opinion, is a national treasure. Newman on Tuesday also addressed his decision to let the jury visit the Murdoch family estate, known as Moselle, where the murders took place. It ended up, I thought, being helpful to the prosecution um, 
and not to the defense, though requested by the defense. That property recently sold for a sum total $3.9 million. According to court documents, Alex's surviving son, Buster, is expected to receive 530000 of those funds. Nice to hear from the judge, hear his thought process there. So um, what's next for him? So under South Carolina law, he has to retire when he turns 72, which is actually later this year. But he is still assigned to preside over those 99 financial crimes cases, mm-hmm. which Murdoch still faces trial for. So Judge Newman could continue to preside over those until they're finished, even if that goes into oh, next year. Beyond that. Okay. okay. All right. Joe, thank you. Just ahead here. It's early. But are you already thinking about perhaps reaching for a snack? An inside look at how our eating habits are changing and as a result, the food industry is being forced to change. Our taste buds are changing as well. I'm getting hungry already just talking about this. All right, but first, Gotti Schwartz has the touching story behind an emergency landing you need to hear to believe. Yeah, imagine for a second you're a student pilot. You're taking off for your third flight all by yourself. You lift off, you think everything's going fine. Then you hear another pilot down on the ground radio the tower and say, you know that plane that just took off? It's missing its front tire. That story's coming up. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Back now, 741 with an in-depth look. This morning, this is a remarkable story, and it is a story of survival. Yes, it is. So it involves a veteran pilot in Michigan who jumped in to save a younger pilot when something went very, very Mm -hmm. wrong for her Mm mid-flight. An incredible story. NBC's Gotti Schwartz has more on this. Gotti, good morning. That's right, guys. This is an incredible story. Uh, Making just her third solo flight, 21-year-old pilot Taylor Hash said everything seemed fine on takeoff, but from the ground, things were looking dicey. Fortunately, that veteran pilot who saw a critical piece of her landing gear fall off right after her takeoff immediately jumped into action. Beautiful. A dramatic landing thanks to the skill and nerve of a rookie pilot helped through a harrowing experience by a total stranger. This is the first time we've seen each other. I know, it's pretty crazy. Feels like whoa, I've known whoa, whoa. you forever. And <laughs> this, this, is, this is the first time you guys have seen each other ever? Yes. Yes. 21-year-old pilot Taylor Hash says everything felt fine when she took off last Friday from Pontiac, Michigan in her single-engine plane. But in a nearby aircraft, veteran pilot Chris Yates realized something was off. Literally. Just noticed the, the nose wheel, the nose tire, everything fall to the ground and just bounce down the runway. 
The control tower explaining the situation to Taylor, telling her she was going to have to land her plane without a front tire. Diamond 8 Delta Charlie, you lost your front nose gear tire. Copy, 8 Delta Charlie. Your entire front wheel assembly is on the runway. Roger that. Um, should I remain in the pattern? It was definitely the, the scariest moment I've had um, probably in my life. But Yates happens to be the former director of aviation at SpaceX. He's also a father and says he heard anxiety in Taylor's voice. I was thinking of my daughter and just how um, afraid and alone she probably felt. Yates and the flight controller told Taylor to circle the field until she was ready to land, giving the two of them time to talk. Delta Charlie pilot, what's your name, kiddo? My name's Taylor. And I didn't respond on the radio because I, I just, I couldn't even talk. You know, I was welled up and... Taylor, this is Chris. Um, my daughter's name is Taylor, and I taught her to fly. We're going to be just fine, kiddo. Thank you very much. And you can really tell how my voice went from frantic, what am I going to do, to, okay, I, you know, I can do this. You know, and that was 100% all thanks to him. With Chris's encouragement, Taylor's confidence grew. You going to be a career pilot? I was planning on it. <laughs> this is a good start. This is a good story to your legacy, kid. Then came the critical moment. Got a kid. Nice job. Here she comes. The nose is going to come down. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Talk to me, kid. Good. I'm all good. That a girl. I'm proud of you. But as soon as he said that, I just, you know, the waterworks came. And you can hear my voice change at the end. There, I was, I was crying too. An emotional ending for both pilots who formed a lasting bond in the air. I mean, what are the chances that his daughter's name is Taylor, too? We asked Taylor if she's changed her mind about this whole flying business. She laughed. She said that she thought about it when she was up there without that landing gear. But once she was on the ground, she was more sure than ever that she loves flying. And guess what? She is making plans with Chris to go out flying together soon, this time sitting behind those controls shoulder to shoulder with her guardian angel. Oh, guys. What so a great story. Oh, yeah. I knew that story was going to be good. I didn't know it was going to be that good. Yeah. That that was incredible. How about just the conversation he's having? Hey, kiddo, you're going to be a pilot yeah. while he's yeah. probably thinking about how she's going <laughs> to land that plane. Thinking of his daughter. That was amazing. Yeah. Well, the fact that they both kept their yeah. cool yeah, throughout yes. the entire um, I think the every time, I think every time he said kiddo, she mm -hmm. got calmer. Yeah. I even got calmer. Man. That was really and good. even the pause when he yes. realized it was his daughter. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful, right. Gotti. That was Thank awesome. You. All right. Yeah, it's, wait. Wait, there's more. Yeah, it's funny because you just said that kiddo thing. As soon as that Zoom, this is wild too. They've never met in real life, right? And so he took off as she landed. Uh, she was safely on the ground. He made sure that the you know, fire mm -hmm. engines got there. So he, she only saw him flying off into the horizon. Uh, ah. As soon as they met on Zoom when we interviewed them, yeah. first thing out of his mind was, uh, out of his mouth was, hey, kiddo. And oh, oh, both nice. of them just lost it. It was incredible. Oh, incredible beautiful. story. Beautiful. <laughs> that was yeah. great. Well beautiful, done. beautiful. Sure. Oh, Mr. Roker, it's all your really well, well, Obviously, nobody can do that. So let's just show you what we've got for today. Sunny and mild conditions down through the south. Snow showers, Great Lakes, chill, uh, chill in the air, continues in the plains. This next big storm that's going to be cross-country and causing big problems coming in onshore in California, bringing snow, rain, and a lot of wind. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Mr. Thank Roker, you. thank, thank you. you. Still ahead, pop star, big news about... One of Ryan Reynolds' new projects in Hollywood. You got another new project? Got like I've got a ton. But first, you guys, a touching military reunion. It'll warm your heart. Coming up right after this.
We got the boost. We got Carson Daly. We got it all happening. All right, so here it is. A mom in Alaska took her eight-year-old daughter, Carlin, to a local air base, and she told her that they were there because they're going to pick up a family friend. The real reason they were there, you guessed it, Carlin's dad. He had been deployed overseas since September. Say, I'm picking my daddy up today. No, I'm not. <laughs> He's not. He, what? What? Oh. <laughs> One hour. Right here. <laughs> Good every time. Wow. Yep. Chris Ensman, Master Sergeant with the Alaska Air National Guard, got to come home a few weeks earlier than expected, so mom decided. Let's turn that into I like this approach. Surprise. We always see where the dad surprises the kid and yep. we get yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But this is great because that little girl gets yeah. a full hour yeah. to yeah. anticipate. That's yeah. joy yeah. in her heart. Yes. Added. You're right. You're right, Carson. Yeah, part. it's a beautiful it. observation. Well, to your point, it never gets old either. Yes. Yes. All right. What we got, Carson? We've got, you guys count your steps out? What do you do, yeah. 10, 20,000 a day? <laughs> Before the knee, yeah. On, on average. Well, coming up, we've got a breakdown on some new research about step counting. Uh, it is out this morning and the best ways that you can enjoy the true health benefits. Cool. Coming up after this. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley, in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.